0: Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, we talk about what you are excited to spend time doing in your retirement years, and do they really need to be that far away for you? We've got a great discussion for you coming up next.
1: Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Kraftwerk Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Kraftwerk Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money with your financial advisor tax preparer or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed and please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions
0: welcome back to our show it's check your balances i am ross anderson joined as always by my friend and colleague
1: dan maseka dan how's it feeling today it's feeling pretty good i traveled out of state for the first time in a long time uh, and got to see Ohio for the first time in my life, which surprisingly love Ohio. Shout out to Ohio. I don't, I don't know if we have any listeners in Ohio, but we should after this. Yeah. I'm going to give a free endorsement. Columbus, I think top three cities in the United States. Now, what, what did you like about it? It had a little bit of everything. So I liked that there was a downtown like business district. It's the capital of the state. And then it's also a big college town. So you have like that, area with all the cool restaurants. I'm sure there's great live music when people are allowed to do that again. Um, And then quirky shops. So as a record collector, there were a ton of vinyl stores within walking distance, great food, great breweries, and just an all-around good vibe and good weather.
0: Uh, That sounds like a good weekend.
1: Yeah, I'll take it anytime.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, speaking of things people like to do, uh, we're going to be talking about retirement today. And uh, I think... In many ways, that's a that's a fun lead-in because I guess where I wanted to start with with our discussion, and we talk a lot about retirement in different contexts. But what I really want to talk about is what people are excited to do, right? Uh, And I tend to get two really strong responses from people when I'm talking to them about retirement planning, and one of them is I can't wait to retire, and then the other type of person is really more in a I want to make sure that I'm financially secure, but I don't really have any interest in stopping working. That's not on my current roadmap. I just want to know when I could or that I have the ability to, uh, which I think of as really more of a financial freedom decision. Uh, But for the first group of people, and if, if that sounds like you, if you're sitting in a job right now going, man, I can't wait to get out of here. I'm really excited to not have anybody to report to or Uh, you know, somebody looking over my shoulder to make sure I get stuff done. um, I really want to talk to those people specifically today because uh, I think that that is an interesting spot to put yourself in. And there may be some things about retirement or some frameworks in thinking about retirement uh, that might be helpful here. And so this is a little bit spurred from a Michael Kitsis article. We've talked about uh, Michael Kitsis before. uh, And he suggests that there's really kind of three styles of retirement that, that have come about. And the more traditional one is very simple, right? You, you learn in your early years, you have a career, you save as much as you can, uh, compound that growth as much as you can, and then you're going to live off those assets for the rest of your life, right? There's a firm line in the sand and you go, this is it. I'm done. And you check out. Uh, and he's suggesting that there's kind of two other kind of styles, uh, or, or and and this could be a hybrid, of course, you could put these things together. Uh, but one of them is a little bit mini retirements, right? So along your working years, rather than working for 35, 40 years or, or more straight, that you would take little sabbaticals, uh, little, you know, periods of rest, where whether that's six months or even a year that you're going to take off, and you're going to enjoy the things that you're thinking about doing in retirement the other one kind of a career transition sort of phase where you might do one thing then you're going to take some time off you might reskill yourself right you might have to to learn something uh, financial planning honestly is something that i hear a lot as a second career or a third career for people that they want to get into this if they've been passionate about finance but but haven't worked in our field but so dan let me just i guess kick off do you see anybody in practice right now that is kind of using the mini retirement or, or small sabbaticals to kind of reset themselves.
1: Honestly, I haven't seen a lot of that. Now, there are some companies that do a really good job of encouraging that. So some really progressive companies will say, after X years of service, we would encourage you to take three, six months off, uh, because I'm sure they know that their employees get tired too and start to think about what's on the other end of their, or at least in the next chapter of the book. Uh, so I think that's really cool. Uh, To be able to do that with your company's encouragement, because from their end, they probably get an employee coming back who's much more excited to continue working and not feel as stressed out about, you know, never seeing an end in sight. Uh, But I haven't worked with many people who are doing that by design, who've decided I'm going to take a period off and then either transition to something new or, um, you know, reskill and shift gears.
0: I mean, even even what you and I are doing now, which I certainly don't think of as a mini retirement, but uh, it was a, a pretty firm shift for us in the sense that you know we 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 expected a period of time that we were probably just going to have to live on savings and, and invest into our business to kind of get this thing off the ground, and and so in my mind financially, I kind of prepared for it like it was a mini retirement, e- even though I I wasn't thinking of it in those terms.
1: Right. Mini retirement with a much higher level of stress associated with it. Right.
0: Yeah. No, it, 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 from a, from a leisure standpoint, that was not what we're getting out of this. But, but definitely from a getting yourself used to what being financially independent, at least for a period of time where you're not receiving paychecks. Uh, in, in many ways, I think this is pretty cool because it's the first time personally that I've gone without steady income in, in many years. So, um, I think it's kind of reframed how I think about cash flow a little bit. Uh, and, and hopefully, it's going to make me a stronger planner to, to help other people through that same transition, even though, again, for me, it's not a, hopefully a permanent one.
1: Right. Before we started, you'd mentioned, well, if we saved up enough to do this transition, we could have saved up enough just to stop working and, and enjoy life and, and do a true mini retirement before finding our next home.
0: Yeah, no, and and for us, obviously, it was it, we were excited to get this going and and to get our business off the ground and uh, to be able to share what we know with people and and run our podcast and everything else. But but financially, I don't think what we did was very different than if we had said, you know what, I'm not feeling it right now. I'm going to take six months to a year off, reset myself, and figure out what direction I'm excited to go in. And and I, I think the the finances aspect of that uh, would have been very similar to to what we ended up doing.
1: From the financial aspect, that's true. And then there's also the emotional aspect of that and being aware enough of yourself to ask that question because I think some people just feel the immediate stress of work. Uh, The phrase I hear a lot is, I'm so tired, you know, I can't do this anymore. But are you tired of the repetitive nature of what you're doing right now? Or are you looking for a hard cut into retirement? You know, being able to reflect on those questions and decide what is the right path for you is really important for you know what might be an irreversible decision depending on what stage of life you're in.
0: Yeah, so the question that I always have for people when when we're talking about this type of stuff is what are you excited to get into? And and certainly there could be a week or two weeks or even a couple months worth of period of a period of time where you're going I don't want to do anything. I don't want anything on my calendar. I just want to wake up whenever I wake up without an alarm clock and see what the day brings me. But at some point, you need something to do. I'm, I'm convinced that people that retire and have nothing that they're excited to do, you know, if all you want to do is sit on the couch and watch TV, your health is going to te- deteriorate very quickly. You know that, that ends up being not a super productive existence. Um, and so even if it's not profitable at all, I feel like you need to have a hobby or something that you're excited. You know, It's Monday morning. It's 9 a.m. What's on the agenda?
1: Yeah, there there was a great article in the Wall Street Journal by Marianne Vanderveld talking about whether you were emotionally ready to retire. This came out about a month or so ago, and a couple of the questions she listed there were very interesting to me. One is, do you have any hobbies? Because if you don't already have hobbies, there's going to be a period where you are just sitting there doing nothing unless you can really motivate yourself to to get up and go. Uh, The other really interesting question was, who are your friends? Do you have friends outside of your work life? Because when you make that transition, it's very possible they're not going to follow you into into your next phase of life because they still have a very full calendar with all those people around them, and you might very much be alone and and wondering what to do with yourself.
0: I do think that's one of the areas that, that, uh, and I think you and I have both experienced this, a lot of our social network uh, had become the people that we worked with, and I certainly have have friends outside of, of the folks that I worked with as well, uh, and and you know, do my best to maintain as many of those friendships as I can. But that's a really interesting thing to lose. And and some of that is just purely uh it's gonna sound like I'm being negative when I say this, but they're they're relationships of convenience, right? They're people that you're interacting with so frequently that it's almost difficult not to be friends. Where to make that effort and to go out on a limb and say, hey, do you want to get together and do something you know, sometimes that doesn't work as well after that convenience factor has has wound itself out.
1: Right. I, I always used to joke that you know I'm too old to be making new friends, uh, but that certainly becomes a problem when your your life situation changes and you find yourself in new places or new jobs. Uh, you know, it becomes harder to accumulate those people around you if you have to make a a concerted effort.
0: I definitely think that, that relocating and, and when you get into a community of other people that have done a similar thing, that that tends to be really helpful in that scenario. Um, you know, when you get into an area that's got a lot of walkable shops and things like that, and you, you've got other people around you that you can kind of uh, both spend time with and, and, and that they're also in the kind of in the business of making new friends, right? If, if everybody is relocated recently, I think it's a lot easier to integrate yourself back into a social life.
1: For folks who are about to retire, I've heard that as a huge argument for why they're looking at one place to live versus another as they're making a move to another state. So, some of these communities, which may not be attractive otherwise, are suddenly attractive because they have all these structured events where you can be basically forced to mingle with other residents or other people in your neighborhood.
0: So, the other thing that I think is really interesting as we look at this uh, is just the financial implication because. If you're if you're in a fairly high paying job and it's high stress and and that's kind of what's grinding on you the idea of going to something that might be much lower earning right I mean and, and if you've had a six figure salary plus and and you know the idea that you could go to something and earn twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year doing something that you enjoy in a way that isn't high stress uh, is incredibly powerful both as a financial tool and as a you know, how do you get into a spot where you're excited about life, you feel engaged and you haven't kind of made that full transition into I don't have anything to do all week, but but maybe kind of gearing down a little bit. You know, as we talk about, we've talked about safe withdrawal rate and some other things here, but a $20,000 a year income is basically the equivalent to having about a half million dollars saved. So if you are behind in retirement but you're hating the job, You've got an ability to kind of gear down, maybe without having fully prepared or gone as far as you otherwise would have needed to for a full retirement. Uh, and I think that could be just as enjoyable for a lot of people if they're in that mode.
1: Yeah, I can relate a lot to that. Definitely can be as enjoyable, and, and you know, it, it gives your brain something to to focus on, so you don't need to synthesize something new every day. You have some structure to your week, and then can still find the time to enjoy the things that you were looking forward to in quote unquote retirement anyway.
0: So I'm going to ask our listeners right into us. Tell us the things that you are excited about. What are the things that you would like to retire to not necessarily get away from the email address for our show is check your balances at outlook.com. And that's check your balances at outlook.com. We'd love to hear from you. What are the things that are on your list that maybe you just don't have time for today or things, uh, new skills that you'd like to learn? What are you most excited about as you think about having more free time and more leisure time in your life?
1: Is there any skill that you've thought about in retirement that you want to work on?
0: So as I, I I feel like I kind of dabble in a bunch of different hobbies, right? I, uh, as you know, and I know you're a guitar player, uh, I've been, I pick around at the guitar a little bit. Uh, I'm terrible at it. I would love to have more time to dedicate to that. In my fantasy land, I'd love to learn how to play piano. I don't know that that one's ever going to happen. I I just think growing up as a drummer, which is what I did, I I just don't think about the notes quite as... quite as fluidly as I think about rhythms, but definitely, you know, getting into a, like a little garage band or, 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 even a group that played out occasionally, I think would be super fun, uh, to be able to go out and do that and, and play some music and, and entertain people. So yeah, absolutely. Definitely music stuff. I love, um, I do play golf, you know, I, I think for golfers, sometimes the idea of playing like every day is, is really appealing. I don't know that I'd ever want to get there, you know, a couple times a week would be about as much as I think, I'd want to play in terms of golf. But yeah, no, there's definitely stuff that I'd like to do more of, but I do have most of those things kind of floating around in my life currently.
1: So I think that plays towards the smooth transition to retirement argument because you've already got a head start.
0: Well, yeah. And and I mean, with being a business owner and, um, you know, the thing I, I really love about financial planning as a career is you have a little bit of that choice, right? You can choose how big you want your practice to be. Are you trying to scale up and be a big business are you trying to be more of a, a lifestyle business and and work with just kind of a small group of of intimate folks? Um, you know, I, I definitely think this is the type of work that lets people scale that up and down as they want to see their life play out. And so um, that's one of many reasons that that I've always enjoyed this business. Is I do think it provides some of that freedom way earlier in your career trajectory than. You know, having to work until your 60s and then decide what to do about it. Um, so that that's some of the stuff that I'm excited about. And uh, obviously, you and I have talked about that a little bit uh, in in our business planning.
1: Yeah. Um, earlier today, I pulled up a Merrill Lynch retirement study, and they had an interesting framework for the types of people who are working during retirement. And I thought I'd run this by you. I'm not sure we've talked about this before, but I, I thought it was very true. So they had four types of people who are working in retirement. The first is called the driven achiever. And uh, the term they threw in with that driven achiever category is retirepreneurs. I think I'm saying that right. But I heard that. I'm like, of course, everyone talks about retiring. And that's when they're going to start this business. And this group are the the workaholics, the heavily motivated people who are actually putting that plan into action. I feel like I see a lot of that group of people. So the, the retire, pre- I'm not going to try to say it again. Retri- Retirepreneur. Really
0: yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a tongue twister a little bit. Yeah,
1: I saw it. I'm like, yes, that's the word. And I, I will never say that again. I apologize to everyone listening. The second category is called the caring contributor. I feel like this is also a very common archetype of someone who wants to retire and use their time to give back to the community. So that can be like a, a paid person or a volunteer, but someone who's kind of contributing to their community in a way that they feel is meaningful. And then uh, this is one I don't think a lot about, but we've touched on today, is the life balancers. So the people who do need that social construct of going somewhere, talking to people, being around folks. Um, And then all three of those don't necessarily need it for the money. In fact, in their study, they found that the majority of each of those three categories felt financially secure and like they could retire already, but just had that motivation, whether it be volunteer work, just being a workaholic or whatever it may be to go to work. And the last category is the earnest earner, they call it, who need it for financial stability in retirement. And those are people who've either fallen behind in savings or have never started, not necessarily excited to work, but just have to.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think most people would prefer to be in one of those those first three categories, right? And, and certainly, if you're at retirement age, or what you hope to be retirement age, and you're not financially prepared, continuing to work is is the most powerful thing that you can do. Um, but what we would hope for is is to help people, you know, kind of leverage. And I mean, the other thing that comes to mind when we talk about this because I, I'm in that category of I, I don't really have any desire to stop working. Now I'm pretty young, so so maybe that will will change as my life situation changes and age and everything else. But I could see myself being somebody that works for a very long time, if not forever, and just continues to kind of scale my workload so that it allows me to do those other things that I'm passionate about. But uh, one of the things that can happen to people if that's the plan is just health, right? The ability to, to continue to work is not always guaranteed. Um, and there's lots of folks that end up, you know, with the plan to continue working uh, and and maybe have some reason that they aren't able to. Uh, and so even if your plan is kind of what we're talking about here, that that you're thinking about finding a second career or something to kind of scale back, I don't think that's necessarily a reason not to prepare. Because, you know, if if you end up in a spot where you can't do that work, even if it's more modest than your your primary career, that's not a situation you want to be in financially where you're, you're then kind of scrapping to make it all work.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you say that because I feel like insurance is often an under-focused area of personal finance, Certainly, it's the least exciting from a consumer standpoint. What? I don't want to pay money for something that I don't think or don't want to ever be using and see very little benefit from. Uh, But as I was looking into that earnest earner category, when I was looking at the demographics, the first thing that struck me is probably a bunch of these people are folks who had a health event or had a spouse die, and they just didn't prepare for that and now are stuck working because they didn't get those earnings along the way that they were expecting.
0: Yeah. I mean, if your plan is to work longer, right, or or to to just continue to work, you're really betting more on your human capital. And so like a disability insurance policy that is going to protect you from losing that ability to do productive work uh, becomes more and more critical. Um, and disability insurance is one of the areas of the market that I think is fairly poorly understood. I think a lot of people just use their, their work plans and, and ignore it. You know, I'll, I'll throw this out there, not that we're focusing on disability insurance for today's show. If you have the ability to pay the premiums yourself for your employer-based disability plan, you should almost always do that. The, the big difference there, if your employer pays the, the premium, they are going to deduct it. And that means when you receive a disability insurance payment, it's taxable as income. If you pay the premium with your after-tax dollars, then the disability insurance premium is not being deducted and the benefit would be tax-free. And if you think about when you would want that tax break, it is certainly when you're receiving a reduced payout and you need that cash flow, that's when the tax-free income would be exceptionally important. So if you've got a disability insurance plan through your work, this is something worth checking uh, is do they allow you to pay the premiums yourself, which you may say, why would I want to do that? And that's because you would prefer to have a tax-free benefit.
1: And if you don't have a work plan, if you're an entrepreneur or self-employed, you should certainly look into it. The risk of disability is very high, uh, higher than you think it is. According to at least one source that I've found, and this is in line with what I remembered, about one in seven people ages 35 to 65 can expect to become disabled for five years or longer. That's five years or longer. One in seven, that's a huge number. And it doesn't even talk about people who might get disabled for a year or more or might have a disability for a year or more. So uh, you know, that's, that's a real risk you should be preparing for because most people in America don't even have the cash on hand to support one unexpected bill of like four figures or more. So imagine losing your income for years. So if you're an entrepreneur or self-employed, you should certainly evaluate a policy like that most people say no because it's expensive, but the benefit is real and the risk is real. So this
0: is a little bit of an aside, but you know, in in the Northern Virginia area, we've got a a couple of highways that have these express lanes, and they are variable toll express lanes that basically the busier they are, the prices keep going up. And what they're trying to do is guarantee you a trip speed of at least fifty five miles an hour, right? And I, I don't work anywhere near these anymore, but it used to be that when I saw those prices going up where, you know, let's say on average, it would be 50 cents to a dollar to take those lanes. But some days when there was a lot of crazy traffic, you would start seeing three, four, five plus dollars to get on those lanes. The more expensive it was, the more I like beeline for them, right? Like it's the complete opposite reaction you're supposed to have, right? It's supposed to be the more expensive they are than... You're like, oh, well, maybe that's not worth it. But in my mind, when I saw how expensive it was, I was like, oh, my gosh, traffic must be horrible. I can't wait to get in those lanes and go around whatever is slowing everybody else down. I think insurance can be the same same way, right? Sometimes people will look at like a long-term care premium or disability premium and go, wow, that's really expensive. That probably also means it's pretty important, and that's not a a pitch to spend more than you need to, or just like look for the highest priced insurance. That's not how you want to do it. Um, But but definitely, if the price point is what's scaring you off the insurance, that might also be an indicator of how important that could be for you.
1: Right, because those are priced in large part due to the claims experience of the insurer. When they're ratcheting up premiums on you, it's because this thing is being used a lot more than they thought it would be.
0: Yeah, yeah. So definitely. Uh, probably a counterintuitive space there in terms of how we think about it. All right, so I guess in in summary here, you know, I think we would encourage people to kind of reframe a couple things as they think about their their financial independence and the ability to retire and the desire to retire. What's really driving that for you, right? Are you excited just not to do what you're doing today, or is there something that you're really excited to get to? Spending time with family, hobbies, things that you want to do. And maybe don't have time for. We'd love to hear what those things are. Uh, again, check your balances at outlook.com is the email address for our show. We appreciate everybody stopping by, spending some time with us today. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will see you next time.